Hebrews in chapter 10. And the text is verse 25, concluding what we began last Lord's Day, and basically reflecting on not neglecting meeting together. Or as we phrased this last Lord's Day, the duty of regularly attending public worship. So on your question, what is the title today? Here is the title, friends. The duty of regularly attending public worship. That's the title. Are we okay? Okay, so you shouldn't get that wrong. Verse 25, we read from the ESV as follows. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The text, Hebrews 10 verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. We thank you, our Father, for this day. We are grateful that it is the day that you've made. Thank you for the ministry that has been given to us, the ministry we've received in singing through and by the praise team, together with the congregation in hymns. Thank you for the scriptures read, the notices given, we are grateful for the ministry of the children. We do ask our Father that you who has begun with us in this day, in the study of your word from 8.30 up to this point, we do ask that you may be pleased to speak to us, that our God you may as it were cause us to understand by reinforcement that which you have for us in the preaching of your word. Grant us the ability by the Holy Spirit to respond appropriately. Grant our God that we will resolve to walk with you, to come into your house, to edify one another, and to minister to one another, to do missions as it were to one another and to the world. We pray for each and everyone, and particularly for the children. We commend them to you that they will experience the blessing of being among us and that we will be blessed by their being among us even this morning. Grant our God that will listen attentively, and that will listen without being distracted from without and from within. Speak, O oh Lord, as we come to you through your word this morning. Grant that nothing will distract us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The duty of regularly frequently, habitually attending public worship. Let us not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Basically stated that Christians must not neglect, Christians must not stop meeting together, assembling together, Christians must regularly attend public worship because of the following compelling scripture reasons laid down in Hebrews 10 verse 25. In other words, we're asking the question, why must we not neglect meeting together? 
why must we regularly attend public worship? Three reasons uh, what I have here. So why must we as Christians regularly, often, over and over again, come to church on the days of worship? We must regularly attend public worship. Here is answer number one. Because the Bible commands us to do so. Why must we attend public worship? Friends, the question is there. Why? Answer number one, because God commands us to do so. Those of us that were around last Lord's Day, the answer was phrased this way, because the scriptures prohibit the habit. Because the scriptures prohibit the habit. We must regularly attend public worship because the Bible commands us to do a soul. We observed what was positively implied in the exhortation. That is, even at the time of writing, Christians had begun to meet regularly on days of worship. We observed negatively that unfortunately at this time of writing, some people had made it their habit not to be attending public worship services or church regularly and therefore attracting the exhortation, the injunction, the warning and the rebuke. Not neglecting picking up from verse 24 and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So some people had stopped, some in totality, others as a habit, as a pattern of life that they would be described as habitual absentees, Absentism was part and parcel of their lifestyle as Christians. And the author to the Hebrews, therefore, saw it fit to issue a warning, to issue an exhortation, to encourage them not to continue doing that. And we also observed some of the reasons, not only that time, but in our time, what might be those reasons? That in the context may have been persecution. That some unfortunately do not come because we are taken with the worldly affairs. Not only the sinful worldly affairs, but even the good things. So preoccupation with temporal needs. And the third reason we gave under why some people may not make attending church habitually their practice it might simply be because they have declined spiritually. In today's language, backslidden, become insensitive to the things of God. But secondly, friends, here is the answer to the second question. Why must we as Christians regularly, often over and over again, come to church on the days of worship? We must regularly attend public worship or church because of the double motivations or purposes God gives to us in the Bible. We must regularly attend public worship or church because of the two 
purposes, motivations, incentives God gives to us in the Bible. If you like complicated language, because of the twofold motivation for not neglecting assembling together. Because of the twofold motivation for not neglecting assembling together. As you read the passage, and as if you truly attend church, you discover there are benefits. That's the first motivation. There are benefits to the individual who does not neglect the habit of assembling together. The person who attends church regularly benefits from that practice. I would be surprised, maybe let me put it this way, that even you're coming to church, and particularly in Dollar Baptist Church, your morning service and the evening service, your youth meetings, the ladies' meetings, whatever meetings are planned in the context of Undola Baptist Church, if you attend and you do not benefit, please come and see me. Please come and see me. So if you come to the ladies' meeting as a practice, you come on Saturday or Wednesday, you go. You come Saturday and you basically are thinking, look, I'm actually not even sure why I go because at the end of the day, I come back worse than I went. I come, more, I come back more angry. If it's not profitable, let's stop. Because every church meeting is by design intended to benefit those that are attending. And as we observed yesterday, this purpose in everything we do, we must do it to glorify God. And one way in which we do that is ensuring that God's children that attend these meetings are edified. They profit from the meetings. Notice I'm saying benefit. I'm not saying you go back feeling good. That's not what I'm saying. Those are two different things. If you've come to church, you have some sin of some kind, and you're not giving up this sin, where when I deal with it, you shouldn't go home happy. But that doesn't mean you haven't profited. I am underlining this. I'm not saying you go home laughing and jumping and screaming, church was nice. I hope you will, rightly. But if you come to church, your situation to some degree, your wrestlings of life, your wrestling with the sin, your growth in your spirituality is not being provided for. I say it again. And I sincerely mean this. Let's talk. I can assure you if the problem is with me, we will discuss as an eldership, I will change. The problem is with Valois, which it will be, we will talk to her. Church meetings, are, uh, this includes, by the way, business meetings. 
we come to a business meeting to profit, to benefit, to hear and say, this is where we are headed. This is what we are doing. This is how we must be involved. We do not come to church meetings to throw punches. We come to benefit. If you attend church services, God's design is that you as an individual who has attended will benefit. Look at the text beginning from verse 24. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Attending church benefits the individual who does not neglect the habit of assembling together who attends church regularly in preaching, Bible studies, fellowship, in having biblical jokes or humor, and all that comes to you as a benefit. It's a principal means of grace for your furtherance in all the things that the author is exhorting the saints to. As you read Hebrews, everything including all the warnings in Hebrews, one of the chief means, one of the chief ways in which you live up to grow in these areas is utilizing one of the chief means of grace, attending public worship. Without this principle means, some of the things the author is exhorting us to in this letter cannot at all be performed. You will not grow in love, a corporate sense. You will not grow in your doing works. You will have no opportunity to be encouraged, to be stirred to do what is good. You will not have your voice. If you are not coming for corporate worship as a praise member, well, for start as you sing out of tune, your voice will become rusty. If you're not coming to children's ministry, your memory verses will go away. So come for Sunday school, for children's ministry, because there you learn how to behave, how to listen to grandma. We heard eh? when grandma says what? Puchako, what do you do? You if you don't come to church, you won't learn that. And I was hoping there would be something also. If uncle says, I'm not sure what uncle says. What do you think also uncle says? Uncle says what? Don't drink tea, right? You don't drink tea. When father says, sit down, I'm ready. If you don't come to church, you won't learn those things. It is essential for the spiritual well-being of every Christian man and woman, boy and girl. Corporate meetings are essential. They are absolutely indispensable to your spiritual growth and your spiritual well-being. Private study, private worship is important, is essential. But there is a sense in which you will not grow. 
if you're not coming for public worship. In fact, we can put it this way, that if you are not grown to a certain level, maybe the reason must be you're asking the question, do I take attending public meetings seriously? Service, somebody called G-Service Observed, I must take for granted for one thing, that every intelligent person who is not strangely destitute of religious feeling has known at times the need or at any rate the good of joining with numbers in acts of worship. There is something in the voices of a congregation united in the praise of God which lifts a Tao worshiper out of one's downness, flatness or dryness as nothing else can. It is to be deplored, therefore, that so many nowadays forsake churches and in doing so at any rate deny themselves whatever profit there is in public worship. You can sing at home, to God be the glory. If you have a voice like mine, it will be hoarse. If you come to church, you realize that Bazimba has a turner. Those of us who are in the praise team, and then you discover cross where grace on bass. It's a little bit uh, off tangent, but it's still bass. And when that mix is done, there is a melody, there is a harmony that sometimes if you stop singing and just listen, you'll be thinking, well, if this is a foretaste of heaven, well, I may as well continue coming more and more. There, there are times, uniquely so, I need to qualify this. That the praise team is singing, and where you are seated, you're just saying to yourself, <laughs> if we were Pentecostals, it's at this point, would have taken off Kura Bashet. There is a movement, there is an uplifting in corporate singing. Well, if you don't, you're not experienced. Not experienced. In some churches, please, I am not saying we do that unless you're powerfully moved by the Holy Ghost. In some churches, almost every point the bishop makes is received with this side, they know. Uh, this side, they you know, so that if it's not given, it's even asked for. Somebody say. There is a sense that legitimately done uplifts. If you're not coming, you can say the amens alone in the bedroom 1,000 times. That will still be acceptable, but it's you. You benefit when you come. You benefit in seeing some, but even at the trivial level, at a very unimportant level, you benefit when you look at others' fashions. Uh, yeah, I think he did dress nine. You benefit. I think that time it also matches. You benefit. You know, I used to be convinced a long time. Don't wear a necktie on a checked shirt. A checked shirt are meant to be casual. Until one of the elders uh, just told me, you can. And he had many of them. You benefit. <laughs> so you want to benefit in your Christian life? Come.
come to church. Now there are times you are home and you are very low. You probably on the verge of depression. You come to church, you share your problem and somebody laughs because you are thinking it's the biggest. For example, you come here and you say to somebody, myself. You know, I didn't have breakfast. Somebody looks at you and you look sad. You look depressed because you didn't have breakfast. And you're saying this to me. And I say to you, <laughs> breakfast. Milo. At that point you realize you are better. So you have no reason to be dead. You ate yesterday. You didn't eat today. Breakfast. And the only reason you didn't, tapachivamani. No eggs. <laughs> Me, bread without eggs, no, no. So you come and you're depressed. And you hear me say, look, actually my breakfast today was with candolo. You are uplifted. You're having challenges at work. You meet somebody in a worse of situation and you realize maybe I should be thanking God instead of complaining. Or maybe you are married. Your husband slapped you on the shoulder. No, it, it is always, bah! you come here, you meet some lady, she's not walking straight. And it's the elder's wife, but we won't name them. <laughs> and you ask, what's the problem? No, it's you, I'm telling. My husband beat me last night in buff. You realize in any person that I am a good man. <laughs> you are uplifted. Burdens are lifted in a corporate sense. You probably are complaining, my salary, my everything. You probably get 8,000, 9,000. You come here, you assume somebody gets more than you. They tell you 2,000 and we survive. And you keep quiet. Because you realize I'm way, way better. You benefit when you come. Oh, I forgot to mention another benefit. When you look at the eyebrows, you see the other one is doing an S, you realize, <laughs> you benefit. <laughs> Attending worship services regularly is beneficial to you as an individual. So when the author is saying, not neglecting to meet together, it's not simply for his selfish reasons, it's for our good. For our benefit, for our profit, for our edification, for our strengthening. Brethren, you cannot be absenting yourself from church habitually and assume you remain vibrant and energetic. It doesn't work like that. Want to be vibrant? One of the means of prayer worship. Want to be energetic? Corporate worship. Listen again to the wisdom of an old theologian. Some who profess attachment to Christ's cause neglect this duty. Some are once in a while worshippers, 
Others are fine weather worshippers. When the weather is fine, they will come. While many are merely fancy worshippers and go to the Lord's house just when it may please them. But we must be deeply interested in these assemblies. We may forsake meeting together regularly if we have no mercies to acknowledge, no sins to confess, no blessings to crave, no enemies to overcome, no souls to sanctify, no hell to escape, no heaven to gain. If you don't need those, don't come. You're looking for mercy? One of the means, corporate worship. Confess sins one to the other, not just privately. But that when we come, we confront it together and we go in supplication by representation to God in confession. Oh, blessings. If we crave them, we come. We have enemies and we have one in common, the devil, we come. The scriptures will tell us two are better than one, but a code of three is even much better. If you don't want your soul to be sanctified, if you don't want to escape hell, if surely you are not interested in heaven, then church shouldn't be important. There is a second sense in terms of this is profitable, not only to the individual, but that your coming is a blessing to others. And the text again implies both, and particularly the second one. Listen to the text from verse 24. And let us notice the corporate nature of the exhortation. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The ministry benefits of Christians who do not stop meeting together, who regularly attend worship service to the church, is a service to others. That you do minister to others. Sometimes we do not realize how much a ministry we are until we are not at church. Sometimes you come to church and nobody seems to pay attention. Nobody may even be saying, how are you? But when you don't come, then you get to hear, we didn't see a church. Then you realize, oh, I'm that important. I mean, I thought, uh, I don't. And just for your own encouragement, there is a couple that is going to Kabombo. Both of them were medical doctors at Indola Teaching Hospital. They're in a relationship and they came here, I think, for about four or five months. And when they came, they went, we greeted them. They came, they went, and you know, they reached a point, they're thinking, I think we are not important here. Other than pastor, nobody cares. They were here last Sunday. And what surprised them was how many people knew they were not available for the last four months. You never realize it that your coming is a ministry. That you're just being here is an encouragement. Have you ever wondered why? That sometimes you have a bereavement and they are saying to you, no, we are going to wait for your uncle from the village. This is a 75 years uncle. He's coming by the transport you send him, and he's going to ask for transport to go back. 
So you are going to do everything. You buy the coffin and the food, and you're simply asking, but look, we can bury even if he's not here. No, no, no. His presence, just the presence, it changes everything. Even if he's not buying food. Even if all he does sometimes is just cause problems, but just his being around. Uncle is here. So if for some reason you felt you're coming here, you are being a nuisance, an inconvenience, you are not important, you're not valued, I want to tell you your coming is an encouragement. That some of us who stand up here to preach, you look in the audience and you're looking for certain faces, you do not acknowledge them when they're here, except when my Grayson is not present to realize, Papa Bench Monica Strange. There's somebody there. And somebody said, no, it's aggression. Oh, he didn't come. You're just being here. But even beyond that, as you look at the text, it's interesting to note that the emphasis in verses 24 to 25 is not so much on what a believer gets from the assembly, but rather on what he or she can contribute, what that person gives to the assembly. So the language is basically this, let us consider how we will do something. That when you come, one of the things you should be asking, what is it that I need to do at church? The ladies meeting, the Bible study, the prayer meeting, what is my role to encourage others? If you didn't know, when you come for the prayer meeting, you share the prayer items, and the one who's leading the prayer meeting says to us, please let us all pray. And you are 15, and at the end of the prayer meeting, only four have prayed. If I am the one leading, I am discouraged. Because I'm asking, Mr. Pepe, please Look, even if I say something wrong, pray. Uh, but don't mention my name. Right? Pray even for people who speak badly, forgive them. I will know. But uh, that's me. But for all purposes, pray. Because not only are you pleading to God, you are encouraging us. Remember my experience in Indeke. Go to the prayer meeting, pray, and you're thinking, they don't allow the. Uh, no, no, no. It finishes. Until somebody had to say, Brother Lama, today you are praying. <laughs> uh, I needed prayer to pray. Because then you sweat. But after praying, somebody says, look, why don't you pray? That's powerful. <laughs> it's encouraging. Somebody needs to do something. If there's nobody, oh, but even if no one has acknowledged your prayers, your coming, your praying is an encouragement. I think I'm not sure which American president don't think of what America would do for you, but think of what you would do for America. Sometimes you are too preoccupied. And here is one of the things we complain about, and you, you wonder sometimes, sometimes rightly because we are growing, no, at that church they don't greet. Now, except today, uh, no handshakes, no hugging. Uh, so I will not be standing at the door because I'm obedient to the law. Uh, so don't, but Pastor Afmapono, it's following the law. 
But look, if people are not greeting you, are you greeting them? No, they don't greet. Okay, here's the test. How many did you greet? If you greeted, they didn't respond, well, then that can be picked up. Not simply they don't greet. No, they just isolate themselves. Go and squeeze yourself in the isolation. So are you a visitor here? If you see us clustering, come and squeeze in. When we say out, then you can see one of the others. Encourage somebody. Talk to somebody. Pray with somebody. Because your coming for public worship is meant to be an encouragement. So it is interesting to know that the emphasis in verse 24 to 25 is not so much on what a believer gets from the assembly, but rather on what he or she can contribute or gives to the assembly. Our church membership at attendance means a means of fellowship is not maintained merely for one's own personal edification. It must be done for the sake of others as well. Come for the Bible study for the sake of others as well. Come to the prayer meeting for the sake of others as well. Come to the praise rehearsals for the sake of others as well. Come to the deacons and elders meeting for the sake of others as well. Come to children's Sunday school for the sake of others as well. Faithfulness in church attendance encouraging, encourages others and provokes them to love and good works. In such assemblies of believers, devotion and holy feelings pass from heart to heart until all hearts are aglow. Mutual prayer strengthens the weak disciple. One man is cast down and almost faithless, but his faith is invigorated and his soul encouraged by the influence of another who is believing and hopeful. Well, there is a third reason, and we conclude with this. Here is the third answer, ABC. Why must we continue coming to church? Why must Christians regularly, often, over and over again, come to church on the days of worship? We must regularly attend public worship because Christ is coming soon, and we must be ready. We must continue coming to church. You're with me here? We must continue coming to church because who is coming? And we must be ready. Because Christ is coming and we must be ready. You like big words? Because of the imminent second coming of Christ and its implications. Because of the imminent second coming of Christ and its implications. Look at verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, even much more, with more emphasis, as you see the day drawing near. Positively, expectations of the glorious return and all that is written entails. We must continue coming. Because our coming gives us some experience of what it will be like when he comes. To take us to be with him. To celebrate perfect fellowship not only with Christ, but with one another. Looking forward to his coming to put an end. 
to coronaviruses, to all kinds of diseases. His coming must make us even be more energized to come. It should not be a coming as in the days of Unip, when the president was coming, even if you didn't want to go, you were forced. The president is coming. Tambal kutaka take a watch no child. He's coming. You line up. You go to line up at 10 hours, the president only comes at 15. And all you see is the white handkerchief. That's it. But if you are unique, you waited. You waited because the president is coming. This is not the president. This is God himself. Surely his coming must make us want to encourage others to be ready for his coming. To look to it with great excitement. The words used, as you see, seems to imply more than the general belief in its imminence founded on the language of Christ. It would seem as if the signs of the times were interpreted as indicating its actual imminent approach. As you read Hebrews, it sounds like they are basically saying, we have suffered enough. But the scriptures seem to tell us that when you go through these difficult times, it's a sign he's coming. So they are literally expectant to be liberated. That should be our attitude. Oh, negatively, the dread of eternal banishment to hell. The external exclusion from the presence of God. We should as Christians consider and exhort one another in view of that great and remarkable day on which Christ shall come to be our judge and the judge of the world. To designate with the scepter the eternal boundaries of being and destiny. One of the strong motives for faithfulness is the soon coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, the only other place they were translated assembling in Hebrews 10.25 is used in the New Testament is in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 1 where it is translated gathering and it is also in the context of his coming. It's a great motivation. It's a great motivation. All our struggles will be put to an end. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. In light of this day as you gather, don't be misled. In light of the fact that Jesus is coming, let us admonish one another to watchfulness and vigilance to determination and constancy, to zeal and diligence, to courage and perseverance. Beloved, if this exhortation was necessary in the days of the apostles, it certainly must be admitted that it is equally so, if not more, in our time. Let me exhort you to remember that weekly worship assemblies are not an appendage to Christianity which we may add or keep off at pleasure. It's an essential paragraph of the Christian life.
the text adds this off reason for exhortation, and so much the more as you see that they are approaching a regular and devout improvement of the Lord's day is an excellent preparation for meeting the Lord when he comes. The transition seems natural and easy from a house of prayer on earth to a house of praise in heaven. If we are truly committed to pursuing Christ-likeness, and this progressively, and this vibrantly, we will not neglect the practice of assembling for public worship regularly. But in the context of that warning, the coming of Christ, a question as we come to the close. When he comes, are you ready for his coming? Are you sure your sins are dealt with? Are you sure you are walking right with God? Are you sure you are using your gifts as God designed? Are you sure doing the work of missions? Are you faithful in all that God has entrusted to you? Are you a husband? Are you loving to your wife? Are you a wife? Are you submissive to your husband? Are you a child? Are you obedient to your parents? Are you a member? Are you submissive to the leadership and participating in church life? Are you faithful? Are you ready for his coming? May I please say, if you're struggling with something, talk to somebody. Come to my office, let's talk. You're not sure you are saved, let's talk. If you're not comfortable to talk to me, find somebody with whom you chat. You're involved in some mischief. Your conscience knows what you do and what you are doing and what you've done. You know what your heart is saying to you. The sins that have engulfed you, are you ready for his coming? That's what is meant for you to come on this Lord's Day to remind us that we need to be ready for his coming. Let us therefore come because it's commanded. Let us come because it's profitable. Oh, let us come because in the context of the scriptures, Jesus is about to come. Let us experience the coming to this house as a fortress of being in our Father's house in heaven. Come and go with me to my Father's house. Peace and love abide in my Father's house. There is room for all in my Father's house. Sweet communion there in my Father's house. Oh, Jesus is the way to my Father's house. Do you belong there? Are you showing that in this life? Come and go with me. Do we have it? Uh, we'll sing it while seated, and then we'll sing the closing hymn with Valiana guiding us. Uh, Mr. Milako, please come and go with me. This one I know you know. Uh, let's sing together the guitar bass, please. Let's sing this one uh, gloriously by way of celebration, but also as an invitation. Come and go with me to my father's house. You can come while seated. You do not need to stand. Let's talk about your coming, and I don't literally mean you coming up here, but make sure you are part of God's house.